Conception, if you will, hmm, is thought to uh, is, in a general sense, uh, is also referred to in the uh, in the Bhagavatam as the Vasudev state or something like that. For example, in the Gita, we find Vasudeva Sarvamiti. Hmm, uh, speaking about uh, the uh, uh, a realized soul sees everything is Vasudev, everything is Krishna. Hmm? And Vasudev is the father of Krishna, in Krishna Leela, in Mathura, where he's famous for being born. Hmm? As he's well known for being um, Devaki Nandan, hmm? son of the, the joy of Devaki. The uh, idea that he's, that's his partial expansion for Leela. Hmm. And Swami Bhagavan, Sri Krishna himself is the son of Yashoda and born there. That's a more internal Gaudiya idea, well, well supported with their um, explanation of Shastra and so forth. But the broader and more widely understood ideas that Krishna's son of Devaki and Vasudev in Mathura and so Vasudev in this sense um, represents the in him came the, the Krishna conception and then he shared that hmm, with his wife Devaki hmm, his impressions hmm, and so that transfer, if you will, that is um, central to Krishna's birth is analogous to our birth, as it's sometimes called second birth, and, uh, by taking initiation into the into the pursuit, I would say, of the Krishna conception. Um, to further play that out, the um, um, the leelas also explain metaphorically sometimes to in in such a way as um, Kamsa represents um, some sense of fear, maybe fear of the sadhaka, a healthy sense of fear, to 
protect their spiritual life, conduct themselves in a certain way that involves doing away with calm, crowed, loba, moha, mada, matsarya, envy, greed, all these enemies of the mind. I think they must be sevenfold, sixfold, sixfold, sixfold. And so, again, extending the metaphor, this represents the six sons of Devaki who were killed by Kamsa. Kamsa takes on positive light in this context, a healthy fear to protect one against these enemies of the mind, sixfold, that if you follow the Leela back through the Puranas and so on and so forth, then you find six sons of Devaki were previously... What were they? Sons of um, Kalanemi. Hmm? Sons of Kalanemi. And they went against um, their father in some way, and then they had to take birth and be killed by. Anyway, it's similar with Hiranyi Kasipu and Kalanemi. I forget it all. Right, forgive me. Um, and then, you know, so you got it, they're connected with Hiranyakasipu and Kalanemi. And, and then with, um, with Marichi, hmm, uh, so the mental sons of Brahma that represent, again, Kam, Krod, Loba, lust, anger, greed, Matsarya, envy, Mada, Moha, so forth. So, um, the doing away with them, if you will, on the part of a healthy fear of the sadhaka to protect his or her Krishna conception hmm, that's been planted within them and is being cultivated and so forth. Uh, um, that healthy fear is is positive. Anyway, does away with the with them, is, and, and this is a very, a very uh, kind of Vaidhi Bhakti explanation, if you will, which is fine and uh, appropriate for Vasudeva and Devaki's son, Mathura, Krishna, Mathuresh Krishna, thinking of uh, him and that Leela. So um, that is the over kind of arching metaphor hmm, in which the, the diksha is um, is compared to the the birth of Krishna. This is the birth of Krishna within 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 us. It's um, you know, and you, and, you, and if you take it further, you know, Baladev comes, so the Guru comes first, cleanses the prepares the field, Balaram bears the the plow, Haldar, the bearer of the plow, agriculturalist. So, before you plant a seed, and the field has to be tilled, made, made ready and fertile, and so forth. So, he comes and tills, and then the seed is, is planted. And then it has to be carefully cultured, especially in the beginning. Weeds have to be taken out, and so forth. And so, um, in in this way, when we, we, we celebrate the Janmashtami, we celebrate the you know, the appearance, the appearance, the, the, the birth of the unborn, and so on and so forth. But also the um, the appearance, if you will, 
an ongoing eternal sense, another eternal sense of um, coming, his coming into our our lives. Mm. So it's our own birthday as well, it's from a spiritual point of view, properly understood. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Yes. Um, I wanted to just touch on one additional argument in relationship to the fall of the jiva that's sometimes presented. Mm. That pres- that uh, being that the deeper thinkers uh, going forward in time, Bhaktivedanta, Bhaktisiddhanta, and A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami presented this jiva fall issue because they they had a more developed sense of what is actually there in the Shastra. This is an argument put forth mm-hmm. by some. I was wondering if you could deal with that Well, there is a place for um, that. For, that means to say for successive acharyas or more recent acharyas developing the theology, the philosophy, playing it out, um, illuminating it, if you want to compare it to a, a flower, and the, sp- the speaking of the ongoing parampara to the sun that makes it open, 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 and you see more and more, and so forth. So there's a place for that. And, um, and, uh, and, and Bhaktivinotaka was certainly involved in that, a very outgoing person and very much um, involved in, in spreading and, and making Gaudiya Vaishnavism relevant and so on and so forth. Um, so I can see how someone could try to, to make that argument. Hmm. Unfortunately, um, Persons who make that kind of argument tend to um, also um, make or think, for example, in relation to Prabhupada, this happens quite often, that everything that he did, hmm, the details that he adjusted and so forth, are all uh, examples of the kind of thing you, you, you're, talk, you're asking about, and I'm confirming does has its place and so forth, hmm? and, and and then they um, misidentify details with with principles, and in the name of our acharya has given more illumination on the teaching and so on and so forth. They actually. Uh, do the opposite themselves. They freeze it in time hmm? by misidentifying details with principles hmm? and leave no room for the very exercise of adjusting the details to deliver or shed further light on the principle. Hmm? Um, And in a sense, this um, 
tendency, and we've seen seen a lot of it, does relate to this issue because the uh, it is a very very uh, core, uh, not only as we said last night, Gaudiya, but Hindu uh, Upanishadic uh, corner stone, foundational stone of the whole edifice of of Hinduism in all of its forms. Hmm? In the Gyan Marg, in the Karma Marg, uh, you know, uh, Yoga Marg, and so forth, uh, Bhakti Marg, for example. So, uh, it uh, it kind of uh, underscores that how little, how poorly uh, uh, such a person who makes such a claim understands the point, hmm? and how inflexible, if you will, it is. Hmm? Um, and how it's it's so first of all, it's not a detail. Now, your questioning, you're not speaking along those lines, but it's, it's not a detail. It's a philosophical principle. You are saying that some people say it's a philosophical concept that wasn't so well explained or understood, and they're explaining it f- further, and so on. So it's a little different, perhaps, than the way I'm talking about it, but I think the way I'm talking about it is, is, is relevant, and we've seen much of this misconstruing details with, with principles and so forth, in the name of saying our guru is you know given for the modern time, the new light, and so forth, and it's just... Again, the the details become the principles, and the thing becomes frozen, and there's there's no possibility of adjusting details and to 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 bring in uh, new light and so forth. Um, But um, this is this is not a detail. This is a principle. Even if they accept it's a principle, and they want to say it's a principle that wasn't very well understood for ever for (laughs) Anadi since the time without. Beginning, and uh, in the modern times, you know, Bhakti Vinod um, innovated, and his realization shed new light on the issue, and so forth. Hmm. This is the argument, right? Um, again, I think that idea is um, illustrates how little the person who thinks along those lines understands the the point the concept of anadi karma um, and the nature of perfection and so on and so forth. And we discussed these things last night. The, um, and, and that said, if that, we have two choices here. So let's be fair about it. We have two choices with regard to Bhakti Vinod. He either is doing what those people are saying or he's engaging in some type of preaching strategy. Hmm? And if you look at the, if look at it from, now let's look at it for a second from Bhakti Vinod's, um, the genesis of this, in Bhakti Vinod as a preaching strategy. Hmm? We know that Bhakti Vinod Thakur was the really, really in a substantial sense first, and certainly the foremost person in Gaudiya Vaishnavism to embark upon an interface with the, the West and modernity, the modern world. Um, and and Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hmm? and so he was a broad-minded 
um, thinker. He coined the term Saragrahi Vaishnav, an essence seeking Vaishnav. We've named our community after 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 that. Um, and so he he was a very much very much an an, an, an innovator. Hmm? And what did he say with regard to this issue? Basically, he was very true to the consistent emphasis in all the scriptures that the suffering of the jiva, its worldly involvement, which is involvement with suffering, is a result of its own will. God is not responsible for it. This is brought up in the in the Gita, and the Gita is addressed in the fifth chapter, maybe the fifteenth verse, very clearly. Um, and I and I, and, you know, I I cited this sutras, Vedanta Sutra. If you look at Baladev's commentary on the fifteenth verse of the fifth chapter of the Gita, and he's bringing all that from the Vedanta Sutra that we talked about last night into into the argument. Hmm? And so, in this way, Bhaktivinoda didn't change change anything. He said, the, 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 the suffering of the jiva is a result of its karma, which the implication is its own, its own, its own will. Hmm? It interacts with the world, and the world responds, God's not responsible. Hmm? Now, he went a little further, and, and, and I should say, and this, of course, is the way in which Christianity for a long time has answered the question, hmm? that the jivas have free will. Hmm. Um, and so God's not responsible. Hmm. Um, he defers to material nature. You've interacted with her in a certain way. She wants payback. He says, that's fair. Fair is fair. Hmm. He allows that to go on. What Bhaktivinoda Thakur did further, that, that, that is, is the crack in the crack that's become an earthquake, you know, <laughs> the crack in the sidewalk that's now become a Grand Canyon <laughs> of misconception, was to say that, uh, and why, what, what he said was, this has a beginning outside of time, and then, you know, let me go on, and in that sense, it's beginningless, it's an adi. Hmm? And it occurs in a region called Tatasta, where the jiva has a vague general idea of the material life and of the spiritual world, and then makes a choice. And some choose material, and some choose spiritual. And this this is. Very, you know, it's a very minimal in a way, hmm? but again, the crack in the sidewalk. Hmm? Garden of Eden. Yeah, yeah, Garden of Eden. Right? So also did well. Yeah, so a little mistake could, over time, can be, can magnified, be very problematic. So, and why did you do that? Well, from the point of view that it was a preaching strategy which were, is characteristic of 
you know, any any innovative preacher, you, you have to come up with with strategies to what points to emphasize, what not, where you might say something in it provisionally in a certain time, but keep the wheels moving and later, later come back and address it when the disciple becomes more advanced and has a better capacity to understand something that at the beginning they may not understand and may alienate them from the practice. Hmm? And this is a good example of it, this issue, because I said last night, the more we are in conditioned life, the more we have a sense of our own rights hmm, and fairness um, and so forth, the more we advance spiritually, we realize you know, we have no rights hmm, and, and there is no one to blame, there's only Krishna. We're part, we are Krishna in that we are one of his shaktis and Krishna is not independent of his shaktis. His shaktis are dependent upon him, but he's not independent of his shaktis. Hmm? He is himself, and it's the whole conglomerate, himself and his, replete with shaktis. Hmm? So there's no one to blame. Krishna's doing what he does. And, uh, um, and so the more you advance, hmm, the more this my rights, fairness, which is a response to, wait a minute, you know, the literal answer, karma has no beginning, the more we're conditioned, the more we may respond in a way that that doesn't seem fair. Some souls from, from a time without beginning are suffering in material existence and some are eternally liberated. I don't know if I want to get involved in this. Hmm? And we see that kind of response readily. And, and, and much of the resistance to the idea comes from that sensibility hmm, that arises in people. That itself is, 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 the, is a, 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 at its core of the influence of the material na- nature. We think we're separate individuals. We have rights. And, 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 um, you know, there's the, there's the American foundational saying, no taxation without representation. Sridhar uh, Maharshi, you know, all taxation, no representation, hmm, is the Krishna consciousness idea. Hmm. Um, everyone wants freedom, and we're teaching slavery, divine slavery. Hmm. Even though, you know, there's an element of will within that, and so forth. Um, we can we can plant the seeds, but if it doesn't rain, there'll be no no crops. So um, we're dependent upon the overarching will sanction of the Godhead for anything to happen and so forth. So, so um, Bhakti Vinod um, is making this argument, this strategy from that perspective, looking at it that way as, as we do, and, and he's, it's in relation to the idea of, of taking the, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conception into the Western world, and, uh, and where you have a very developed um, um, uh, Christian theology, you know, for centuries and, and and so forth, and the thinking people in in those circles have answered this question in a way in a way by saying it's the free will, and further their characteristic response to the Hindu idea hmm, that, well, the world has no beginning. Hmm? 
um, it to short circuits their thinking. You, they will they they typically respond. Well, you're not an, you're just not answering the question. Hmm? Uh, the world has no beginning. Karma has no beginning. Hmm? Um, uh, they think, well, you're not exonerating God from the fault there entirely. Hmm? Um, so they have a problem with it. It's a typical um, reaction. And um, so arguably he's aware of that and seeks to address it and give it a beginning and so forth. And... Um, and in a way, he hasn't tampered with the core idea that it's the jiva's responsibility, and so on. And it seemed to work to some extent in his time, in that in India, under the preaching of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitapur, his successor, carrying that idea along, and you'll find it embraced by everybody in in Gaudiamath, in its different branches and so forth. What, what Gaudiamath, the institution of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitakura, was about, in one sense, was that educated people, educated means influence of the West, hmm? in India, educated in terms of the modern thinking and so forth. The British were ruling over India. Hmm? So if you were going to school, Prabhupada was going to Scot- what, Scottish... Scottish Church's College. Yeah. Sridhar was an educated man, Sridhar Maharaj. This one, that one. So many people in Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakura's mission were educated, um, uh, from educated pious families. Often when they wrote their articles in the Harmonist magazine, he would have them use their secular names and their letters, MD, PhD, um, BA, whatever. Hmm? Um, this, is, this is also a preaching strategy, ob- obviously. Hmm? And um, and and the point is that that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, unlike um, Gaudiya teachers, for a long time, hmm, were was and this under the influence of Bhakti Vinod, creating like like a revolution and a mission, missionary. You know, he looked at the Western missionaries and said, hey, we'll have our own missionaries and we'll send them to the east, to the west. You know, They're coming here, we're going to go there and conquer the west. Something like that um, was his uh, idea. So you don't see this in, in, in anybody for you know, centuries. Maybe you see it in you know, Narutam and going to Manipur and, and uh, the Bira um, Birchandra, the son of Janava and Mata, and so forth, this kind of outreach, extensive outreach, and um, and, and, and an educated one. Nityananda Prabhu's outreach, of course, is big, but they tend to be an educated one, preaching to the downtrodden and so forth. Uh, at any rate, uh, Mahaprabhu was doing that, converting educated people. And so forth. So, but we see this in Bhakti Siddhanta. Rather than I'm a Bengali, uh, from Bangladesh, you know, born in a Gaudiya family, and here's an Acharya, and I join, and 
and he may be great, and I may become a great devotee myself by that. But it didn't. Gaudiya Vaishnavism was not drawing, um, collecting members from the educated Hindu society, but Bhakti Siddhanta's movement was was doing that. Hmm? And so the people who were coming like that, they were influenced by Western thought, so they were impressed by Bhakti Vinod's and Bhakti Siddhanta's way of speaking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism that brought in examples from the West and considered the thinking there and tweaked things for, for preaching, something like that to some extent. Um, and they all got really energized by that. Hmm? Um, and so this was very characteristic <laughs> of, the, of the mission, the conception of Bhakti Vinod and as was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And so it's a good argument that Bhakti Vinod Thakur just tweaked this a little bit um, because of the idea of anadi karma, beginningless. Um, people find it, uh, Western people tend to find it problematic. And again, they say, well, hey, the, the fault is not, you know, it's still God's fault because... We never had a chance to make the right choice in in the first place. So God's still still culpable. Hmm? Rather than going to the argument, well, actually, we're all part and parcel of God, and giving a you know a pantheistic or panentheistic you know perspective on it. He didn't choose particularly you know to do that and emphasize the free will, which is accurate, but to a more extreme extent, by way of giving it a beginning outside of time, which perhaps is the question that came to your mind, how can there be a beginning outside of time? Time beginnings can only happen within time. So over time, if you look back at what Bhaktivinoda Thakur did, it starts to break down. And I was explaining this to someone this morning as well. If you look back, I'll give you an example, the kind of thing we're talking about. If you look back at the middle of the um, 19th century, when Vivekananda came to America, hmm? Darwinism was also getting a very strong foothold. And many, or a good some, I should say, religious people were troubled by what they felt were the implications of Darwin's theory with regard to their own spirituality and how they had thought about it. Hmm? And the, the conference of World Conference of Religions in Chicago, Vivekananda made a splash there, the Hindu monk, and gave a different, uh, offered a different notion of spirituality that the way he spoke about it did not conflict with what was starting to become thought of as, as empiric uh, facts of observation. Hmm? Um, and and so people some people felt comforted, and 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 Vedanta, and Buddhism also at that time got a little hold <laughs> in America, and some people said, well, "Hey, we can go with it like that, you know." And, and okay, and so that we can our faith and spirituality can continue and not be at odds with observable evidence and so forth. So, so, so. Um, Vivekananda was one of the first, maybe the first um, Hindu to start to speak about um, evolutionary theory 
in relation to Hinduism. And at the time, his insights seemed very um, cutting edge and cool. Hmm? Um, and uh, I've read them, I can't repeat them, but I, I, I've studied them. Uh, and um, and they are, of course, based on the understanding also of evolution at the time, which now, um, you know, a little short of 200 years later, hmm, this is quite different <laughs> than it was then. So if you look at his arguments at that time, to be honest with you, they look like they're embarrassing. They're embarrassing. Hmm? But in his time, they weren't embarrassing. Hmm? Based on the, the, the knowledge that he was dealing with and, and so forth. So you have to look at him, and he had some success in terms of the time and the circumstance. And then you have to look, you know, over time and see how it works. And so Bhakti Vinod's position there, you know, worked to some extent at the time, and you can't argue with the results. You know, it was part of his package, and educated people were joining. Hmm? Now, I don't know how much of an issue, you know, I don't think it was a pressing issue of sorts at the time, but it looked innovative and whatever, and it just sold. Hmm? Um, but now, if you look back over time at it, hmm? I mean, look at it. You know, why arguments stick at a certain time? Who knows, you know? Right? It's partly psychology. I mean, you can look at arguments that at previous times, just everybody would nod their head and agree hmm? that uh, later... You know, they don't, we often because of new information and so forth, but for other reasons also. Hmm? So, you know, you look back at, I mean, well, I can testify myself. When I first read um, Bhakti Vinod's idea on this in Jaiva Dharma, this was before they were, the only English edition was pr- produced by the uh, Chaitanya Math, and it was terrible, terrible English. I used to call it Benguish, half English and half Bengali. But I really wanted to read it, study it. And uh, um, Prabhupada was still uh, in our midst at the time. But I we, I used to, Prabhupada had shipped a bunch of books um, from India to America to be sold. And I used to sell them at the Sunday feast in the book room in Los Angeles, in the Dwarka Temple. Books of Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta and some other books of Prabhupada's God Brothers and so forth. before... At that time, I think we had the Macmillan Gita and the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, maybe Nectar Devotion and so forth. But Prabhupada shipped these books over. So, you know, I was an early reader of such. And the argument of Bhakti Vinod on that was was interesting. Um, and, I, you know, I mean, didn't know any other argument about it. Um, but I do remember that he cites two... Um, um, sections of the Upanishads to support his idea of the Tatasta and the Jiva making this choice from there and so forth. So I looked um, uh, far and wide for those references and I could not find them anywhere. So it always, I thought, hmm, there's no support for this, it's questionable. 
If he had support in the Shruti that said that, well, okay, there's a powerful... He found these verses in the Shruti and so on. Um, eventually, in more modern times, uh, more recent times, um, that was way back, but more recent times anyway, I found that the numbering there was incorrect. And I actually did find the verses, but they really don't... It's a really a stretch, let us say, to say that they support that argument hmm? in context and so forth. Hmm? Um, so it's not that he had. Uh, so um, that's a problem. Number. Uh, for, furthermore. The idea that, again, those, are, those references are a problem. The idea that anadi here means that its beginning is outside of time. It may sound good until you think about it a little bit more, and how can there be a beginning outside of time? Um, yeah, there you've got a short circuit there. So... Um, you mean you hear some, something from someone you respect and it's different and you take it and not think about it. Hmm. Later, if you have to think about it further, you might have to, you know, think, well, wait a minute here, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so forth. So that's an example of that, hmm. a beginning outside of time. And then furthermore, the idea that the jiva is in a region called Tathasta. Okay, there is no mention of any Tathasta region anywhere in the scripture. Hmm? So if you're going to say there's a Tathasta region, every other region is detailed in the sacred text, so you'd think you'd need to, you know, reference it. The jiva is a unit of Tathasta. Hmm? So, you know, you look at it a little further, the Bhakti is saying, well, the jiva is a unit of Tathasta, and it's in one side or the other, you know, some go on one side, some go on the other. That's not true. That is true. Hmm? There are nityasiddhas and there are nityabhadhas, hmm? and they're both tatasta jiva. They're, they're that type of nityasiddha also, tatasta shakti or nityasiddha. That's all true. Hmm? Okay, so, you know, that you started looking at it like that, doesn't seem that much of a stretch, and emphasize the free will and, you know, and uh, call it a region, and um, test a region, and there's your beginning. Okay, hmm. but of course, looking closer at it, well, if I have, if I'm in the to test a region, and I have a vague idea of material existence and a hazy idea of spiritual life, and then I make a choice based on hazy information, <laughs> how can I be blamed? For the choice that I make, God gave me hazy information. <laughs> he didn't give me a clear picture, you know. So I have to blame him. Hmm? So these kind of arguments, you know, can can come over 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 time. And so to make that case, I mean, I can make all those arguments I just did. So you have to reply to them, hmm? and not just say, "What do you know." Bhakti Vinod said it. It's a revelation. It's a clearer. It, it, it resolves 
the issue. Well, it does what? What does it resolve? I mean, let's just talk about it. Let's just not talk about who said it. Let's just talk about the concept. What does it do? What, how does it work? How does it hold up logically? How is it to hold up with support from the scripture and so forth? And it falls apart on all these all these levels. Hmm? And it, it, you, you can't just say, well, it's, 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 it, I like Bhakti Vinod. I'm a member of his Paribar. This is his innovation. It's his realization. What is the What is behind that? Behind that argument is some sense that Bhakti Vinod said it, and if he's wrong on it, uh, you know, my world falls apart because he can't be wrong in my world. Hmm? If I say it's a preaching strategy to say that he's not wrong or something like that, then you want to argue that, no, it can't be a preaching strategy. Why not? There are so many examples of preaching strategies. Bhakti Minod was full of them. You know, the Sampradaya is full of them. We think the Buddha is a preaching strategy. Shankar is a preaching strategy. Jiva Goswami Swaki, a Paraki argument is a preaching strategy. There's, there's so many of them. Hmm? By hook or by crook, you know, sell a book. That's a preaching strategy, you know, Prabhupada, for example. So why not? There's nothing wrong with it. There are many, many examples of it. Um, so why are you having a you know a problem with it? Why? It it is it reasonable? Is it scripturally supportable? Is it just some you know a faith issue for you that you've thought about it in a certain way and you and 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 you have to have Bhakti Vinod right on it because you're invested in it. You bought into that. You and you've taught that to others for maybe, and 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 now instead of saying, "Huh, I see the problem with that." Hmm, okay. You're invested. That's all I can see. It's because we only have certain things we can respond. We could. What's the logical support? What's the scriptural support for it? Hmm? So if you want, it's either a preaching strategy that answers everything. Okay. Hmm? What is the problem with it being a preaching strategy? I don't know. What? 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 Why that's a problem for some people. I mean, I do know. As I say, it's an emotional issue. It's, it's, it's. I thought like this, and my guru said it, and, and so, and, and what I'm talking about too, Bhakti Vinod is like the crack in the cement has become a Grand Canyon now. Now, from that, not understanding it as a preaching strategy at the time, that's that's at its core is really not. Any change, only that well, there's a beginning beyond time, you know, uh, and the choice of the jiva is just emphasized in a way by saying tatasta region, you know, vague view, just emphasize the fact it's the choice of the jiva, it's the choice of the jiva. We say it's the choice of the jiva. We just say that there's no beginning to the, to the choice. There's no beginning to the jiva. <laughs> there's no beginning to the material world. There's no beginning to karma. But then, over time, it's become the jiva is in lila with Krishna. Becomes envy of Krishna, envious of Krishna, and falls down. I mean, is that a Grand Canyon compared to a crack in the in the concrete? You know, on the pavement that you can just you know step over. You know, whatever. Now it's become a huge gap, and you're describing the spiritual world in a way that 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 any educated person will think, why should I go there? And how can you call it perfection? Hmm? Now somebody told me this morning that. That another group, there's, there's a, what I would say is a definitive edition of the Bhagavad Sundarbha has been published, um, 
uh, by um, Satya Narayan and his, his group. And then there's another one by another group that's coming out. And it's very clear in the Bhagavad Sandarva that Jiva Goswami labors to make the point that you know no one falls from Vaikuntha. And it's a very important point because we want to say that the goal that you're pursuing is eternal. Because if it's not, then it's like all material manifestations that are here today and gone tomorrow, which you teach are not worth pursuing. Hmm? And so that's problematic. So it must be eternal. Uh, and Krishna says it is. If you go there, there's no return. He says that more or less twice or three times in the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? And he says, Punar coming to me, there is no birth again. But from Brahma on down, there is. Hmm? As long as Brahma's life is, compared to eternity, it's 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 very short. Hmm? And coming to me, then, it's different than even going to Brahma Loka. It's eternal. It's not eternal just for the ones who go there. You know, it's it's eternal. <laughs> its nature is eternal. You know. Uh, well, he's still, he's still, he. He does that. He draws a very stark contrast. Yeah, between yeah, between the two. So you, it can't be an eternal um, ideal, an eternal reality. It's not like the, 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 the residents of Vaikuntha are somehow different from Vaikuntha. Hmm? Vaikuntha is eternal, but the residents' participation there is not. Their participation is what Vaikuntha is. <laughs> That's what it is, the interaction between the, 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 the Vaishnavas and Bhagavan. That's what makes up Vaikuntha. You can't say Vaikuntha is eternal, no problem there, but the, but the bhava that you're in isn't necessarily eternal, it can end. Hmm? And, and you can find yourself in uh, Maitunya bhava, you know, the shackles of material existence. Um, so this is hugely um, problematic. And if you want to say, well, this is innovative insight of, of Bhakti, you know, well, what is the innovative insight? Is it, okay, is the crack the, or is it the Grand Canyon that now? Hmm? And if, if you want to play that out, I guess they're saying the Grand Canyon is the idea. And Prabhupada's taking it further, and so forth. But meanwhile, at the same time, you have statements of Prabhupada that are completely diametrically opposed to that, and emphatic statements. Like, no one ever falls from Vaikuntha. Hmm? Hmm? It's a fact. No one falls from Vaikuntha. And, and, and he does it in the place of the Bhagavatam where the issue is, the only place in the Bhagavatam where the issue is brought up. And Udhisthira is incredible. He's in- incredulous. He says, how can it be? He's incredible too, but... <laughs> <laughs> incredulous. I, can, ashradha, ashradha, I cannot believe that people of Vaikuntha could fall down, parentheses, even on the strength of a curse from a realized soul, hmm? which is, seeks to emphasize the point, if you look at it in context, the Kumaras cursed the, the, the gatekeepers, Jaibijasas. That's a powerful thing. Hmm? And it's spiritual, you could say. The spiritual power of the sage to curse. Even that, I, I, can't, I can't believe that that's possible. Hmm? And um, and the commentaries are there. Prabhupada's included. They can't pull down because they have bodies constituted of surup shakti. Hmm? They have spiritual bodies. And what that means, hmm? means they're, they're, they've entered into an eternal bhava that has no 
no beginning. Hmm? It has no end. They're, it's Siddhi, it's Siddha. It's perfect. There's, they're, they're, it's Siddhi, perfect. They're Siddhas. Uh, they've attained the, the perfection. And, of course, you know, the story goes on and we, we see that, you know, that they didn't actually fall and it's been explained over and over and so forth. So, um, so I don't see how you can make that, that argument, you know, a credible argument like that. Because if it is an innovation, then what, what, what is the, what's the, what is it saying, you know, about the spiritual world and so forth? It's, it's usually problematic. Um, and as I said earlier, the other day, and a little bit today, on this side, the more conditioned we are, the more problem we may have with the idea that we're, we're part of God. You know, we, we, we exist as members of God's dream, okay? Get, get a bat, you know, take on what you are. In, in modern Western society of, you know, your way, my way, dot com. You know, <laughs> uh, everybody's the individual and you do your own thing. And ha- hey, if it feels good for you, you know, you don't hurt anybody else, you know, okay. And, the, and this is practically what is thought to be spiritual. Hmm? And, and, and so here, you know, we're talking about, you know, Taxation without representation, <laughs> it's a very different uh, um, concept uh, on, on its face, ostensibly, but of course, it's beautiful. And uh, it, it, it talks about a certain kind of freedom that ultimately you have with Bhagwan. that in Golok, in Krishna Lila, he becomes subordinate to the devotees, devotees' love. So a very beautiful concept has just been, you know, um, soiled, considerably, um, by this innovation. So what's the innovation? What is the great insight? How does it improve the situation? And is it not a core issue accepted by every acharya and supported and taught in every book? Hmm? And then you want to give an innovative explanation that has no references that support it whatsoever? Hmm? And the logic of it falls apart hmm? if you look carefully at it. So I don't know how you can you can say that that you know, uh, but I think that that just comes from like a, a psychological necessity, a, a certain understanding of one's guru and one's one's group, hmm? that um, that w- w- without which causes the person who thinks like that faith to be you know as attack upon themselves on their own their own faith and understanding it's 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 a bit of a kanishta adhikari understanding of the, um, the guru everybody can have preaching strategies except my guru you know i mean and, and 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 excuse me and you can find this too i mean, just to give you an example what i'm talking about you can find in godiamat people just completely dismiss the idea that anybody fell from goloka vrindavan and you have disciples of Prabhupada championing that at times, or Vaikuntha, hmm? because at times Prabhupada said it, hmm? although he said the opposite as well. And so they bought into the one side, and you know, they, and so they identify with that. But here you have Prabhupada's 
statements that are the genesis of which is Bhakti Vinod, and you have the people in Bhakti Vinod making fun of the people who think that somebody fell from Goloka Vrindavan. Hmm? And they're willing to say that, well, that's, a, you know, obviously they don't make fun of Prabhupada, they say that, that was his preaching strategy, and everything's fine. Then you turn on them and say, well, guess what? Hmm? This is a preaching strategy of Bhakti Vinod. And then they go ballistic on you, you know? Who do you think you're better than Bhakti Vinod? I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, but... Uh, they, here's our explanation, and here are the, the facts, what the scripture says, and, and and so on. So, so you can see it's an emotional issue. Hmm? It doesn't make sense, and it's not scripturally supportable. I'm sorry. What was your question? Could you fill a little bit more of the history of how this occurred in our sampradaya? A couple questions. Is Bhaktivedanta no Thakur the first time we see this yeah. possibly brought up? Okay. Then, when Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur dealt with this subject, with the, is it, was it a general understanding within the Gaudiya Moth that there was a fall from Vaikuntha or a no fall? No fall. So the general understanding in the Definitely Gaudiya no fall in Gaudiya Moth. Is yeah. no fall. Definitely. Although some people in the Gaudiya Moth do feel there's a fall or just... No, no. Okay. So then, is it possible that... Um, that some of the translations that we have seen of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's writings have contributed to misunderstanding of even what he did say. Possibly, possibly, but I, I don't think it can be um, um, explained entirely in that way. I think that he did make okay. clear statements that um, you know the whole Tatasta region. I mean, you can look carefully at it. You can even look at Prabhupada's statements and what is Prabhupada really saying when he says, when he says, yes, you can fall from Golok. You, know, you have will. Hmm? Will hasn't gone. So he's emphasizing it's the will of the Jiva, it's the will of Jiva. I should go on for a minute here before I let you question further because I was talking about the Bhagavat Sandarbha and I didn't finish that point. So there's another edition from another group of the Bhagavats and Dharma coming out, and I was told this morning that in one of the sections where Jiva Goswami is making the very point that there is no fall from Vaikuntha, the the, the uh, translator, and I guess commentator, um, says that this word here says that, that there's no fall, um, but it should be taken to mean that there's no accidental fall but there could be an intentional fall. I mean, does that even make sense? That there could be no accidental fall? Well, I hope not. You know, slipped, sorry. Down the material world. But there can be an intentional fall. I mean, I, have to, I, I, I look forward to looking at that, but I mean, yeah, but it's certainly not what Jiva Goswami is teaching anywhere in the Sundarva. Someone else has come along and said, this word actually means this, and Therefore, there can be an intentional fall. It's a total addition, it's total speculation. It's not anything that's in in the text anywhere. Or any, and he's laboring to make the argument for important reasons, as I say, that Vaikuntha is Vaikuntha. Hmm? It's not Vaikuntha, footnote, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but there are exceptions. It's not for it, it, there is anxiety there. There is some envy there too. It, a little bit, and it comes up now. And 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 how much? 
Well, you know, I mean, uh, not too much. I mean, there's only, you know, I mean, there's only one-third of the total, you know, one-quarter of the total ends up falling, and three-quarters remain, you know, un unfallen, hmm? ekapad vibhuti and the tripad vibhuti. And then, of course, but I thought, you know, that was just, you know, you know the three... Three, it's just a way of talking about it. Um, it's talking about mm, things that are part of Vaikuntha that aren't part of the material world. It's not talking about numbers of people because the numbers of jivas are unlimited. Mm, there, there, there is no. Uh, an in, there's an infinite number of jivas, but it conditioned souls. So you know, I mean, that doesn't really fit well, well between the ears. But so what? I mean, that's that's okay. Infinity is a reality. It doesn't fit very well between our ears, where where our mind wants to measure and control everything. Hmm? So I mean, this is a complete, you know, madness type of a to write that and and and, and write. Excuse me, in a section where the point is being made and, and emphasized and so forth is is. Um, Unholy, yeah. Um, so, Prabhupada's coming from an environment where that the uh, Gaudiya Moth, there, there's no fall. So, if he's he's saying two things, verbally he's telling disciples, "Yes, we fall," or in lectures he's saying, "Yes, we fall." When he was directly approached, he gave the tall fruit crow logic. Who knows? Don't worry about it. And but in his writings, where the only places where he directly speaks about it in his written word, he says no fall. No, I don't think that's accurate. Um, first of all, um, there are places in which Prabhupada personally responded to that question in ways that support um, the way these scriptures are speaking about it that we embrace. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. They, they, so when he was personally approached and asked on the issue, sometimes he said fall, and sometimes he said no fall, or he explained the fall in a way. I think to Jagadish he explained, just like a child inside the womb knows its father, you know, and is there and comes out. And, and it's a, if you look at that way he's talking, he's talking about coming out of Mahavishnu and. Uh, which is exactly what we teach, you know. Hmm? But a jeev is, is the is the one of the many that that uh, results from Vishnu's desire to become many, and he's not talking about Leela and Goloka and so on and so forth. So it's a real nice personal response to someone who's asked a question that supports the overall thinking of the or, or conclusion of the scripture, and with a nice analogy. I'm not representing it uh, very accurately because my memory fails me but just so there are instances the point is where Prabhupada gave either side of the argument when personally asked and there are incidences in his lectures that can go both ways and there are instances in his writing in his books also but in the one section of the Bhagavatam where in the text itself the question comes up there may be places in Prabhupada's purport where he brings up the subject, but it's that's not per se the subject hmm, um, under discussion. 
Like you take, for example, in the fourth canto, there's the story of the, the metaphorical, allegorical story of King Paranjan. And then there's the, what is the story? There's the Brahmin, and he, um, I forget, Swan, something, yeah, I forget. He, I don't think so. Yeah, and he talks about, uh, you know, I was with you or something like that. And yeah, the king dies and the queen's crying. Yeah. He comes yeah. and says, why are you crying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so Prabhupada says something maybe about it there, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the Srishti Leela. And all the seminal commentators make that point. This is about Vishnu, you know, Mahavishnu, and we were there with Vishnu, and so forth. Not in we're in the Shishti Leela. We are in the Shishti, but not in the in Krishna Leela, Gaur Leela, Narayan Leela, Vaikuntha, something like that. So it's it's not really directly being discussed there. But in the seventh canto, it's particularly exactly the question is asked. Hmm? Or the the or, or I should say Yudhisthira says I cannot believe that someone could fall from Vaikuntha. I, I just don't. I can't b- believe that. And, and so he, he makes a statement. Nara doesn't disagree. Hmm? And the story goes on and so forth. And the commentators explain. So in that section, Prabhupada, that's where he says that's a fact. No one falls from Vaikuntha. Earlier in the third canon, when the Jayabijay story is also told, hmm? he says it there as well. So this is the section really about falling from Vaikuntha, directly, overtly, in the Bhagavatam. And it's answered that by every Acharya, that's, that's not happening. The case of God, Jai Vijaya, is, is, is different. It's, it's, it's not, it can't be compared to what they're talking about. Does that help? Yes, you have a question? Yeah, I was just going to follow up on, on your idea that it seems like Dr. Ginod's only interest to do that. It wasn't for the, or for the sake of making that point about the choice. It wasn't for anyone in India. It was only to interface with people of a Western mind, a Western culture. There is no need to, to reach out to anyone in India like that because they already believe in eternal existence and Western Christian people, they have this beginning kind of beginning of time idea. Yeah, in the Garden of Eden, fall of Adam and Eve, and kind of thing. But uh, as I say, they were, you know, sometimes I describe Bhakti Minot as the first Western convert. So there were Indians who were influenced by Western thinking, educated and so forth. And, and, and so it was for them hmm, who were acquainted with Western arguments to some extent and, and so forth. But that means it's for, for the, in consideration of Western thinking. So, yeah. It's interesting, just today I uh, came across a uh, conversation between yourself and Srila Prabhupada, and it was in relationship to, you were expressing the fact that you were, I guess, the only, cleaning up the, the approach less cheating in, in what would people might look at as cheating in selling the book. So you were making this point to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada came back to you and said, no, cheating, this is okay. This right. is all right. If we're cheating for the right purpose, then there's no cheating. 
Mm-hmm. He says the mother cheats the child and convinces the child to take the medicine, saying it is a ladu, so it's not cheating. Mm-hmm. There's your preaching strategy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, people were on my case about that, you know. So there's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a dangerous, you know, kind of argument. Ends justifies the means type of argument. Well, not you know get you very far in the world um, today. Um, that doesn't sound very good, but um, but the example is, is good. And it, it is something that we do, you know, you do tell the child, you know, um, close your mouth, uh, close your eyes, I'll give you some candy if they won't take the medicine and then put the medicine in. It's possible. I don't know, that might, that might get you thrown in jail nowadays, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was more, in, I was thinking of it more in relationship to the fact that the the Acharya does the needful. Yeah. And that's kind of what our whole conversation right. here has been centered on. Is right, to do the needful and emphasize it in one way or another way and, and t- over time and circumstance. And those calls are always going to be, if, if they are useful, useful to a certain extent at that time. And you could say... I'll give you an example. Once we were sitting with Dr. Kapoor, Prabhupada's godbrother, Adi Keshava, and um, I was sitting with uh, with my godbrother, um, Narasimha Maharaj, we were talking with him. And um, um, he, Narasimha Maharaj, made the point about something that... Um, Gaudiya Math Bhaktisiddhanta had spawned some preaching strategy. Preaching strategies. So that oh, he's making the point that preaching and Siddhanta are not always one. Hmm? Preaching and Siddhanta are not always one. And Bhakti and and Dr. Tikpur said, Yes, he said, I had problem with that. Hmm? That was a problem for me. Hmm? Yes, Bhakti, Bhakti Siddhanta did that, but it, you know he was a scholar. Dr. Kapoor said yes, that was a bit of a problem. And then um, Shingamar said, "Yes, I can understand that." He said, "But if it weren't for that, then I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here." And then Bhakti and then Dr. Kapoor allowed said, "Me either." <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So we appreciate it, you know, in, in, in time and, 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 and circumstance and so forth, and we judge by the result, but we understand it for what it is, hmm? and then move on uh, in new times and new circumstance. Did Bhaktivinoda Thakur write about this in just Jiva Dharma or extensively, more than one place? Um... You know, mostly you find the whole thing really laid out in Jaiva Dharma. This other book, which is intended more for Westerners, was the Krishna, well, the Krishna Samhita, but that, that but also the uh, Chaitanya Shikshamritam. Hmm. But uh, you'd have to look there and, and so see. You see how. it in more than one place in his work. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember seeing it in in those works, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Was there, but it's, it's 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 really played out in the in the Jiva Dharma. But it's it's also you know he, he also um, does that 
And in the context of saying that, he also speaks there about how things are beyond thought and there's just ways we talk about them, you know, to make make the case and and so forth and so on. So even he kind of backs away from it a little bit at the same time, so... I couldn't take it down. All right. Yes. So, with all this discussion, kind of makes me want to breach the question. So, what's my maybe, preaching maybe, strategy? Maybe the magician doesn't want to show you how he does all the tricks. Once <laughs> my preaching strategy is to just to teach the siddhanta <laughs> right now, and uh, on on these types of points. And, that's my preaching strategy, so you don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> to make, to adjust, you know, back. Hmm. To close the gap, cover the, cre- the crack in the sidewalk, even, to speak of that. Grand Canyon it's turned into. Um. Well, the point you made tonight about, you know, by Kanta the spiritual world, there even being a possibility of imperfection there, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just Hawaii. Yeah. It's a heavenly planet. Right. And Krishna particularly, specifically distinguishes his abode from that of the, of the heavenly planets, including the Brahmaloka, which is the highest so-called position in the material world, where the extension of the life is, is way beyond, you know, heavenly life of Indra, you know, to the nth power, you know, and and, and he says, Abrahmabhuvanaloka punaro artino arjuna, from Brahmaloka on down, hmm, there's fall down, there's it's temporary, Abrahmabhuvanaloka punaro artino arjuna, mamupetya tukonteya. But coming to my, my abode, Punarjanmanabhidite. Hmm? He's talking about abodes. From Brahmaloka on down, everyone, their position there has no standing. It has to end. Hmm? But my abode is different, and this is a difference. There's no fall from there. Punarjanmanabhidite. You have to take birth again. Even a Brahma, but if you come as a, a blades of grass in my abode, are free from birth and death. So he's describing his abode by contrast in that way too. And again, this is the whole idea: you can, you cannot have as your spiritual goal something that's not eternal. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Everything in the world is is it has a cause, and it's it's an and it's an, it's an effect. And it will last for some time and then, you know, dissipate. So it's very important to make the point that these bhavas that constitute the life of Vaikuntha, hmm, they're eternal. Hmm. And again, you can't say that Vaikuntha is eternal, but the bhavas are not. Hmm. I mean, and you look at the stayuav, which is the, the, the dominant emotion that defines a person as a friend of Krishna or as a lover of Krishna, as a parent of Krishna. And the teaching is that these stai bhavas cannot be changed 
by other stayibhavas. If you are in Sakirasa and you find yourself attracted to the, the intensity of the gopis' love for Krishna, Madhurya Rasa, hmm, then that Madhurya Rasa becomes a Udipana or Anurasa of your Sakirasa. It embellishes your Sakirasa. It doesn't change. So another Stayibhav, hmm, like Vatsalya, Madhurya, cannot change Sakya or vice versa. Hmm? If, there are, if the rasas are compatible, hmm? some rasas are incompatible with one another, and that's another thing, but if they're compatible and a devotee in one rasa is attracted to another one, that's how it works. So and the other rasa cannot change his rasa. So if another stai bhav cannot change your rasa, how can something material desire, where does it come from in the first place? And if it did, how can it possibly have more power than a, than a stai bhav? Hmm? Uh, it's, it's, Mahaprabhu tried to change the Brahman in South India stai bhav. This is a lesson taught there. Hmm? He said you should, you know, you should better to chant Krishna Nam. He agreed, but he, but he couldn't. Or Anupam, another one, another one. Mahaprabhu was very yes. See, that's uh, what I was trying to say. You can't change. You know, even I can't change that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's speak of the paltry material desire. Then where is it going to come from? There is no hmm? such material. Wherever Krishna is being overwhelmed by these bhavas. Hmm? Which is what Krishna is about. Krishna is God, but he becomes the son, becomes the friend. Hmm? By the power of Vatsali Rasa, by the power of, of the Surup Shakti manifesting as Sakya Rasa. Hmm? So if this Surup Shakti or Bhakti has the power to overwhelm Krishna, hmm? to overwhelm God, hmm? certainly it has the power to dispel material desires, right? Hmm? Therefore, it's the most efficacious means to deal with material desires. And in the place where it's actually functioning in its full force, if you will, and overwhelming God to make him feel as a son, as a friend, and so forth, as a lover. How can material desires come in there, and if it did... How would it have any power? I mean, it is to. Uh, and you say, well, the jiva has will, so he can always exercise his will. But once you exercise, you've exercised your will. Hmm? Bach, the opportunity has come to you. You've you've exercised it, and you've you applied yourself. That's the effort that goes along with the grace. Hmm? And and the result of your effort is that you become fully satisfied, hmm? fully. Uh, Whereas when you exercise your will in relation to things that are material, you don't become satisfied. So there's still opportunity to change, and you change from one thing to another to another. But if you land, light on a, land on an eternal object that's the perfect object of love and apply your will in relation to that, then hmm, how can it not work out at a certain point? <laughs> <laughs> and just go, go stale, you know. 
and decide that uh, he's pretty nice, but, you know, that's material love. That's what happens to all material things. That's the teaching. They're not what they appear to be. Hmm? They all fall short in some way. And the whole point is that there is something that doesn't. Hmm? That's Krishna and love of Krishna. So we can't have that little footnote that nobody falls from but going to accept, you know, everybody in the material world at some point. So these are very, very serious um, points and, and the idea that the fall is possible is a serious misunderstanding. It's very problematic. And for, for as I say, for someone who's advancing in spiritual life, it becomes so much problematic. How can I, more so, make effort to go to a place that I might fall down from? Well, they say you'll go and you won't fall down because you've already been here. But then the ones that you're following to go to Golokya to follow the, the, the associates of Krishna. Hmm? So they argue that only sadhana siddhas who go there won't fall down. Hmm? But the nitya-siddhas, they can... <laughs> so the whole thing, you're following the bhav of Lalita, Vishaka, Rupa Manjari. And what they're saying, what they don't realize, is that Rupa Manjari can fall down. I mean, their very teaching is that Prabhupada fell down. And then they want to call him a nitya-siddha. But he fell. <laughs> he's a nitya-siddha, he's better than a sadhana-siddha. No, no, he's a nitya-siddha that fell. Because he's here, right? Well, I mean, they, they say that. He's an interested, he's better than a sadhana siddha. And I'm just saying the implication of it. They'll say, well, no, he didn't fall. He, he, Krishna sent him to come. That's a different thing. Okay, but he could. He could. And the argument is, we want Prabhupada because he can't fall. Others can fall. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, but that, the argument seems to say... Because they argue the sadhana siddhas can't fall, because having gone there, one never returns. So they try to interpret it in a weird way like that. It only speaks of sadhana siddhas who have been here. Once they go, they won't return. But those who are, who are always there, they can fall. But then your ideal that you're following is, is falling. The very, the very personification, embodiment of the, of the bhava. Hmm. It's just a very, very unsavory. <laughs> Uh, position to take when, when it's played out. Alright. And tomorrow we have the appearance day of Pujapad, Bhakti Rakshak Shri Dadev Goswami Maharaj. Wake up with that.